Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! Alright, I want to welcome everyone back to our regular episode of the Seattle Sinbin. And I am joined by my co-host, Otto Rogers. Otto, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good. Um, just uh, keep having a bunch of news crop up about um, our arena situation, and uh, we got Jeff Baker uh, calling in a few minutes to talk that over with us. So, uh, awesome. you know, once again, it's really nice to have Jeff on the show. Uh, but Otto, we have been watching the uh, the Montreal game uh, together. Well, not quite together, but in our in our game thread at SeattleSimbin.com. Uh, yeah. But uh, before we before we get to Jeff, I just want to remind everyone we we now actually do have um, our own presence within SonicsRising.com. Um, we if you go to SeattleSinbin.com, uh, it will take you to a page within Sonics Rising, and we have uh, we're going to expand our hockey coverage by quite a bit. It's not going to just going to be a podcast anymore. So tonight was kind of a start for that having the game thread for the Montreal game, and I see Jeff Baker has just called in. And I'm going to go straight to him. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing well, except for the hockey game. But uh, other than that, I think I'll survive. I mean, it's hard for a, a team to win a game on the road when they, they don't start skating until about midway through. So we'll see if Montreal can flip one off here. But I, I wouldn't bet on it. So it's not going to be a good yeah, night. That, yeah, the, so they were down 2 nothing last I saw. Um but they they've actually made it a series when it looked like they're going to get swept. How uh, how have they gotten back into the series even to this point, Jeff? Well, honestly, the pressure was off. I mean, you know, I think I told you this the last time I was on when Montreal was leading Ottawa three nothing. I mean, you know, Ottawa made that look like a series. But the truth is, there's only four times in history when a team's come back in a hockey game for being down three nothing in a series, and you know, there's a reason they don't come back. <laughs> you you can make it. A, Frankly, the pressure was off. They were down 3 nothing, so then they went nuts and scored six goals in game four. And, you know, they pulled one out the other night in Montreal, but it's hard to to, to, to keep that momentum going. And, and you, know, you saw it tonight. They didn't come out skating whatsoever. I mean, it's only 2 nothing. They, stranger things have happened in hockey, but, uh, you know, at this point, I think they're pretty much cooked. Uh, they didn't start skating until they fell behind by that second goal. And, uh, you know, your legs are usually the first thing to go um, when, when, you're, when you're getting into the sixth the seventh games and, and, you know, they played at such an incredible uh, intensity. The last game they played in Montreal, I think it'd be hard for them to replicate that. That said, had they won tonight, it would be a different story. There's only nine times in history or 10 times, I should say, when a team's actually made it to a seventh game after being down three, nothing. Um, but it's, it's, you know, like I said, coming back all the way is very tough. You're not going to beat Ken Bishop four times in a row, uh, you know, yeah. when, when he's playing like he has. So, it's tough, and they seems like the atmosphere in Tampa is pretty electric tonight, too. Um, yeah, for Tampa it is. I've been in that, that building before. It's not the greatest hockey atmosphere that they have going, but, you know, it's, they, they seem to have woken up a little. I think they were a little bored earlier in the series. The games three and four, it wasn't so wasn't so hot. I mean, they're, they're, they're okay. They're okay <laughs> for fans in Florida, i got to say. They're better than Miami. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Jeff. So uh, last week was May 7th, and that was the day that uh, so many of us had been looking forward to for so long. And that was the release, the the much anticipated release of the FEIS for the Soto Arena. Um, so what, just overall, what was your takeaway from the way that went down? Well, I, I thought it was, you know, about as smooth as could be expected. If you're in Chris Hansen's camp, I mean, you, you really didn't want any um, major obstacles popping up. And in, in that respect, there were not. Um, you know, and I think it's it's what people were expecting. The, the big problems with this SOTO application, this SOTO bid, aren't really 
so much in the environmental concerns. I mean, we all know they need a street vacated. Um, but, you know, the, the report didn't really highlight any traffic problems that look like they're insurmountable, but we still know there's going to be some opposition on that front. But, again, I mean, the big problem with this package is more the financing aspect at this stage. I mean, it's still not going to be perfect, um, you know, when it comes to getting the, the FEIS through city council and everything, but I think they can make a lot of the problems go away if, if they fix the financing end of it because they're going to encounter political opposition no matter what. Um, but you can remove a lot of that political opposition if you decide to go more private rather than public. And, and for right now, they haven't done that. And so, they, you know, they, they do stand to face quite a bit of political opposition. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, we won't really know anything until uh, until Chris Hansen plays, you know, shows everybody his cards, shows us what he's got. Um, you know, he hasn't done that yet. So And, and that has right. to be done. It's not like the Tuck Willis situation where they're just trying to get the arena done ahead of Chris Hansen. The problem with Chris Hansen's bid is it's not equal with the Tukwila bid because Chris Hansen has to get the team part of it straightened out in order to get his arena. It's very different from Tukwila right. where they're just trying to get an arena rubber stamp, an arena approved. Once they get it approved, they can tell the NHL, hey, we're ready to go, whereas Chris Hansen can't really do that until they come up with a financing package to show that they can sustain both an arena and an NHL team. So it's different. Hansen has to kind of complete... You know, you know, take care of those two items, whereas Ray Bartizak right. and Willow really only needs, only needs one of those items right now to kind of trump Chris Hansen. And, and so that's where, you know, even though Soto's ahead, I would say, of Tuckwilla at this stage, uh, Tuckwilla could catch up in a big hurry. Right. Um, so I, I've heard you mention this before, that they're focused uh, more on the, the arena and not so much focused on the team. Um, Bartizak wouldn't build this on spec, would he? No, I, I, I highly doubt that. I mean, I don't want to speak for the guy because I, I don't represent him, and, you know, I don't pretend to know his inner thoughts. But I, I I think the reason he hasn't put – I mean, there's been a lot of comment. It's accurate. I mean, he's only – this group's only committed on paper about $20,000 towards the land that's involved here. They haven't put up the millions that Chris Hansen has. That That's true. There's no denying it. Um, I, but I think the reason for that is there's no guarantee the NHL or anybody else is going to give him a team if they get permission to build, I think what they want to do is get in the position where they're able to build and say, look, we can go ahead and build this arena tomorrow if you give us a, le- a letter of intent for a franchise. And I think at that right. point, if you're the National Hockey League, you're going to look and say, okay, where's Chris Hansen at this point? Is he in the same place he's been in for the last two or three years? Or is he any closer to realistically getting this arena built? And, you know, if I'm the National Hockey League, of course you're going to want to build in downtown Seattle ahead of Tuckwilla. I, I don't think any any league's going to tell you otherwise uh, in, behind closed doors. But I think the, the league also has to be realistic, and they're going to be realistic right. about this. They're not going to wait forever for, for the Soto thing to unfold. And, and that's why I say it's critical that Hanson gets uh, an NHL first package together, um, you know, unless he's got some NBA magical rabbit waiting to pull out of a hat. Nobody expects that to happen. Uh, if it, if it mm-hmm. is going to happen, I mean, more power to them, but he's got to do it soon. I mean, you can't just go on talk and rumor. They're, they're going to have to start – I've been saying this. You're going to have to start showing your cards as the months unfold, or else you could have a situation where Tuck Willow is ready to go and, and and Soto isn't. And then if you're in the National Hockey League, you got to make a call because they want to be in here before the NBA. It's very important. That gets lost sometimes in all this. Uh, the NHL isn't waiting to go hand-in-hand hand with the NBA to come in here. They, they want to get here first. They see a good opportunity right. to get some of that sponsorship, some of those luxury suites sold before the NBA does. They're in competition. So it's, it's not like they're in a partnership right. with the NBA. So they're going to have to make a call. And so whoever gets this thing done first is going to be in an, uh, an advantage. Right. All right. So after the – I think the day that the FEIS was released, um, Mayor Murray made some comments, and I, I, I think uh, some of the comments were to you, some of them were to Humbert and – into Daniels as well. Um, and then the next day, uh, it came out that Councilman Burgess uh, made some comments, and there was some confusion about, around both sets of those comments. And uh, some people took from it that um, both guys were just talking about the NHL first scenario. Some people took from it that they were talking about the Soto Arena in general. Can you, can you uh, clarify the confusion over those comments a little bit for us? Sure. Well, first of all, it, it wasn't like the mayor gave a, a press conference in a room full of reporters. We had a series of one-on-one interviews, each of them lasting about 10, 15 minutes. 
Um, and I know I went more towards the end of those. And when I was asking the mayor the questions, he told me I was the first one he was giving these kinds of answers to. So, you know, I, I don't know who, who else might have gotten them after or, or what, but I know that I specifically was asking him about those things. And uh, he just gave me his answers the way he saw fit. Now, he never prefaced the quotes by saying, I'm talking about NHL first. And I never asked him, hey, are you talking about NHL first? Because I think we all understand the point that, that there is only NHL first. When you're talking MOU, I, I don't know of a politician in Seattle that thinks we're going to get an NBA team here this year. I, I mean, and that's to be mm-hmm. frank. I know there's some people in the city that feel otherwise, but, but honestly, there, there's absolutely no evidence that it's going to happen. You have Adam Silver, who's been standing on his head, telling everybody who's going to listen that they're not getting a team here for a few years. And, and he's telling everybody to listen. And there's people behind the scenes telling people who will listen, especially people on the NBA relocation committee, that they're not going to relocate another team after what happened in Seattle. And so, you know, to claim to hope that an NBA franchise is going to come here right now at this stage seems a little misplaced to me, seems a little misplaced to some of the people who run things here in Seattle. And I think when they speak, they're assuming that everybody understands that they're talking about NHL first. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the mayor's not talking about open, reopening the MOU just because he's got nothing better to do. He looks at the landscape and he realizes that there's no NBA team coming. They've got to figure out what to do with the National Hockey League first because the NHL wants to get in here, like I said. So the NHL's not going right. to sit around waiting until the end of 2016 to see if the NBA decides to speed up expansion a little or to see if the Milwaukee situation ever resolves itself. And frankly, I wouldn't pay too much attention to those deadlines in Milwaukee right now, because I'm almost positive you're going to see the NBA extend those deadlines if they think there's a chance of getting a deal, and they do think there's a very good chance of getting a deal done. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got you get to a point in politics and in life where you got to start being realistic about things. And I think the people in Seattle are very realistic. They see a rival project going on in Tukwila that, you know, might not have all that much chance of succeeding, all things being equal, but I'll tell you what, if they keep dragging things out endlessly in Seattle, and don't take care of business and don't come up with an alternative to the current MOU, they realize that, yeah, they could very well lose this thing to Tukwila, regardless of whether it's just Ray Bartizak and then hoping for NHL and NBA investors to jump on board. So they've got to fix this thing now. So when they speak and they talk to guys like me and guys like Danny Westing, you know, they're speaking along those lines. They don't think they have to spell out for the entire universe that they're talking about redoing the MOU. They already assume they're going to have to redo it. I mean, I, I don't know of very many people who are in a position to matter in this thing who, who actually think that they're not going to have to do it. So when they speak and when we take it down, we're not assuming we're, we're not writing for the five people out there who think they're still going to get an NBA team here in the next three months. It's just not happening. Mm-hmm. If somebody thinks it's going to happen, then what they've got to do is prove it. You know, if you've got a source somewhere, somebody's got a source saying it's coming or whatever, and you're going to keep writing that or you're going to keep insisting on it, eventually you've got to produce. It's like my business. You know, we we can... People called me out when we were talking about Chuck Willa and talking about Bellevue, and they say, hey, Jeff, we don't believe you. Produce who you think is going to be coming here. And eventually we did. You know, we said Ray Bart is actually going to Chuck Willa, and we told him Jack Sperling's trying to put together a group for Bellevue. And we told him Thomas Tull's trying to go with Ray Bart is in Chuck Willa. It didn't pan out, but that's what they were trying to do. So you produce, but, you know, you can't just keep hinting that things are going to happen for years on end and then have them not happen and then insist that they're going to keep happening. And so that's the thing. And, and I think there's confusion there because there's still a lot of people out there, unfortunately, who have been put under the impression that the NBA is coming to Seattle at some point soon. And I honestly do not know anybody who I talk to um, who's involved in Seattle politics, who is involved in the NBA, who are involved in, you know, the power machinations that would need to take place to make this happen, who actually think it's going to happen. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sorry if people want to hear otherwise, but I'm not going to make stuff up and tell them, yeah, you better hold out hope because there's going to be an NBA franchise here in two weeks. I mean, it's just, it, I just don't see it happen. There's too many people who say that it's not going to happen. There's too many people who, you know, work, work on the, in the power structures of Seattle who, who are saying that we've got to redo this MOU or we're never going to get an arena here in time. And right. so, right. you know, that's not the Seattle Times. It's not some conspiracy uh, it's not like we're all gathering in a room saying, okay, this is our plan of attack. We're going to go make stuff up. No, it's just what's happening. It's the reality of the situation. I'm sorry people don't want to hear it, but eventually they're going to have to start listening because I've been hearing the same stuff for years on end 
And and the stuff that people keep predicting doesn't pan out, but then they get angry when we start to tell them that there's going to be other stuff happening. I'm not saying we're perfect all the time, but at some point, right. you know, you got to face reality. They, they're going to have to do something to make something happen in Seattle where there's no realistic, there's no real politic way that you're going to get this thing through Seattle City Council. It's just not going to happen. Right. So if you want to think it's going to happen, people can pretend it will. But, you know, there's too many people telling you otherwise. And eventually you got to listen. Okay. You got a good speech. I, you know, I, I don't want to come across like speech. I know everything because I, I don't. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, eventually when the NBA commissioner keeps telling you it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, and keeps saying it out loud and openly, it doesn't leave any wiggle room. And the mayor keeps saying it's got to happen, got to happen. And then you see an opposition group coming into Willa that, that's trying to get things ran through to the end of the year. you got to face facts and say, okay, it's probably not going to happen. So, yeah. you know, I'm sorry people don't want to hear otherwise. And I get it on Twitter from people all the time. But, you know, you think it's going to happen? So, okay. when, you say, so yeah. when Silver says things like he doesn't foresee it happening in the next two or three years, um, do you think, and I'm I'm just asking you to speculate on this. I know you can't yeah, say sure. for sure, but do, do you think he um, means that they won't even consider the conversation for two or three years, or is there a chance that they could consider the conversation within the three, two to three years and then uh, maybe expand not to, maybe a year or two after that time range? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean he keeps he keeps saying consider for two or three years. I mean he's he's. If you, if you listen to Murray, I think it was back in January when he first got done with his meeting, he, he was pretty adamant that they, he didn't see them getting anything done before the MOU was up, which is, you know, was almost three years later, uh, the end of 2017. And back, we're talking, you know, January of this year. So you're looking almost three years from that day. And so you, right. you have to think that they were talking about even the conversation. And, that, and that's the wording that he was alluding to when I spoke to him in New York two or three weeks ago. Uh, it's the same thing he told me a year ago. He said, we're looking, like, you know, way down the line. He told me this a year ago in New York. So did. And, and so, you know, if they open up the conversation, let, let's say, you know, towards the middle of 2017, whatever, I mean, you're, you're, you're not realistically looking at a franchise being awarded expansion-wise probably till the spring of 2018 after their season plays out. They usually don't want to do this stuff in season. And again, I don't want to speak for people, but that said, I'm going to go back on everything I just said now, because I wrote a column this week talking about how, you know, when it comes to ownership, nothing's ever permanent in sports. You can never trust, you know, things until they're actually built, until everything's signed on the dotted line and stuff. And things happen in sports that, that are crazy all the time. So, you know, would I be surprised if they put a team in here in a year or two? No, not at all. I think once you get an arena built in Seattle, I think it could speed up the conversation. Uh, we know whether it's in Soto, whether it's in Tuckwilla, Bellevue, wherever. Once you get an arena that's going into the ground, I think it could hasten a, a lot of um, discussions. And let's face it, the, the owners of the NBA are human beings. They change their minds. They're allowed to change their minds. Just because somebody says something doesn't mean it's captain. So that's, uh, I, yeah. I don't see anything happening to change that quickly this year when there's nothing that's been decided, when there's no arena that's going up. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's Soto, which won't be finalized, approved, signed off on until at least early 2016, as we've been writing for the last six months, um, you know, or in in, uh, in Tukwila, where you're not going to have anything in the best case until probably the very end of this year. Yeah, you know, and that's mm-hmm. if everything goes smoothly. And I see the Canadians just gave up another goal, so they're down 3 nothing. So it's going to be uh, oh dear, it'll be at least 23 years between Stanley Cups for them. So, um, oh dear. Other than sorry, that, Jeff. hey, yeah, I'm, I'm focused on your conversation. Don't worry. I just happen to look up <laughs> and see that they're uh, they got their heads down and they're walking backwards again. So, but that, that, look, yeah. that, that's 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 the easy answer. There's no definitive answers in sports. Everybody who says they know what's happening doesn't, because things change on a dime. But that said, you got to be realistic, and you know that when the commissioner is insisting and insisting and insisting in in March, April, May of one year, they're not going to get a deal done by November of that year, when you know there's nothing major that's going to happen between now and then. The only thing major that we're going to see is maybe an arena gets approved in Tugwell. You're not going to see an arena approved right. in Soto before the end of this year. So, um, yeah, that's, that's to answer your question. I, I don't see it this year, and neither do the people who, you know, who matter, who, who are in charge of this stuff. So, um, okay. I wish I had better news, so, you know, because it's, yeah, yeah it, it's it's everybody wants to wants to hear that. I mean, the good news is you've got a rival project in Tukwila 
that is a fallback plan in case they never do get this soda thing off the ground. I still think soda's in front, and I still think all things being equal, they would go with soda, but they've got to get through the, the hurdles first. Right. So you mentioned earlier um, the name Sperling. Uh, Jack Sperling. And in the same sentence you yeah, Jack Sperling, and in the same sentence you mentioned Bellevue. Um, is he still um, on the peripheral uh, looking at Bellevue or maybe even Tequila? And uh, I would ask the same question about Thomas Toll. Talking to people about Bellevue, I keep hearing that there's still interest in Bellevue, uh, especially if this Tequila thing runs into any snags. Um, but, but again, until they step forward and show their cards, you know, it's all talk. Right now, Ray Bart has stepped forward, showed his cards. And so we talk about Tuckwilla as a legitimate option. Up until then, it's all just a matter of talk. And, you know, yeah, I mean, the people I speak to tell me that there's a lot of discussion going on about Bellevue and and not necessarily about Jack Sperling. That's the one that I mentioned. There's been more than one group that has has expressed interest in Bellevue, but just because you expressed an interest, as I said with Thomas Tull in the column this week, I mean, it it doesn't matter. And I know it sounds like I'm – I, I'm flying all over the place here, but it's true. I mean, talk is cheap in sports. It's whoever wants to get in there and put their name out there and start signing documents and, and doing stuff. I mean, we have a lot of proof that there's been stuff going on in Tugwilla for well over a year now. Um, so that's legitimate. That's a legitimate group. As far as Bellevue goes, it's been a good talking point for many years, and people still like to talk about the money there, but until you you put up, sometimes it's good to shut up and not talk about a site. Right. Um, so right now it's a two it's a two city race. And told Bellevue, somebody in Bellevue wants to step up and make it a three city race. It's the best way okay. I can put it. Right now you mentioned um, they they're kind of in the background and uh, they could come forward more quickly if Tuckwilla runs into some snags. I want to read to you some tweets um, that uh, KGR's Mitch Levy made last week and get your impressions of them. Uh, he was talking about Tuckwilla, and Mitch Levy said, "I've been told by multiple people that I trust." that the Tukwila NHL alternative is chock full of obstacles. Among the hurdles, questionable wealth, in parentheses liquidity, of proposed ownership, small size of land for arena, parking structures, and traffic issues, and perhaps the most insurmountable obstacle, the NHL's reluctance to build new arenas in the burbs. Apparently, the disaster in Glendale has soured Gary Bettman, and while he certainly would use Tukwila, a Tukwila option as a leverage to get something else, its viability is questionable. So that's what um, Mitch Levy's people are telling him. What, what's your impression of what he said? I don't, I don't see anything wrong with, with what he said. Um, you know, you, you went through all those points, and I think logically, yeah, they all make a lot of sense. I mean, I've read people have quoted this one article that lists Ray Bartizak's wealth at $5 billion, and I don't believe that for a second. I think if Ray Bartizak had $5 billion, he'd have a team already here playing in Seattle, and he'd probably, have a, he'd probably be running the Soto Arena um, or, or at least partnering with the Soto Arena. I, based on conversations I've had over the last year and a half, I do not believe that Ray Bartizak has the personal wealth to be able to uh, anywhere near $5 billion. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to speculate beyond that. I mean, he's a minority owner, a small minority owner in the New York Yankees. Uh, he's had a successful business career with Glencore. And, you know, as an investment banker, but I, I don't, I mean, $5 billion would make him wealthier than Hiroshi Atachi was before he died when he was owner of the Mariners. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, or, or when Nintendo Core, when he was running the patriarch of Nintendo, he wasn't technically the owner anymore. But, you know, you get you get my draft, $5 billion, a lot of money. And I don't believe he has that. Yeah. I don't believe, I, I, and I believe that's one reason they're focusing only on the arena. I don't believe Ray Bartas has the money to buy the arena, build the arena, and own an NHL team and an NBA team. I think they're going, I think their plan is to get the arena done, and that's going to attract other investors. Will Thomas Tull be one of them down the road? Perhaps. I don't think he's going to jump in right away. Uh, And from everything I've told, Thomas Tull took a pass on the Ray Bartizak group. So, um, you know, but stranger things can happen. Uh, He could come back as an NBA owner there if that's the arena of choice in the Seattle area down the road, but I'm not going to pencil that in into my ledger right now. So I don't see anything wrong with what Mitch Levy is saying. Certainly traffic is going to be an issue in Tukwila. Uh, it's going to be a traffic anywhere in Seattle. Quite frankly, the traffic here is horrible compared to the rest of the United States. Uh, some of it has to do with just really bad driving habits. Others have to do with just a, a small city getting big too quickly and not having the infrastructure 
or the public transit to really catch up like other big cities. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an issue. It'll be an issue in Soto. It's going to be an issue in Bellevue. So you're never going to get a perfect traffic situation. But that's right. Mitch is accurate when he says that. And I, I like Mitch. I mean, we were on the air together for years. So I'm, I'm not going to say nasty things about him. And, and I, I think he's got good sources. And I think uh, he does talk to people who matter in the city. And he knows what he's talking about a lot of the time. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, as far as that goes, they need more investment, definitely, in the Chuck uh, Willow project as it takes shape. But like I said, if their plan is to just get an arena approved, so that they can go to somebody and say, look, we have an arena ready to go. Chris Hansen doesn't, and he's not going to for the next several months, maybe forever. And I think that's a real enticement for a league to step up and say, you know what, we're going to give you this because we want to get in the Seattle market, and we don't want to wait from here to Kingdom come. We want to actually get in there. at some point. If it's Tuckwilla, fine. As far as the Glendale thing goes, I, I wouldn't put – that's the one thing I, I wouldn't put that much stock in, number one. Too many people are comparing Tukwila to Glendale. There's absolutely no comparison between the two, except for they're both suburbs. And I know this because I've spent a lot of time in Glendale, Arizona, uh, mm-hmm. the past four years, five years. So, uh, you know, I, it, it's, it's a non-starter to compare the two for me. There's absolutely no comparison. That's, I mean, they have right. the Ottawa Senators playing Canada, Ontario. You, you can go all over the league. There's examples of suburban arena. I don't think that's going to put the league off that much. I don't think it's their first choice. But if they see that there's no way to get into Seattle proper, you know, they're not going to wait until 2019 until somebody figures out the Soto mess. They're going to want to go in there. And that's why it's imperative for Hanson and Soto to get this thing done. And the only way they're going to get it done, you know, barring a miracle where they pull an NBA team out of a hat, is to fix the financing. And and at this stage, they're, they're going to have to go as private as humanly possible. Because once you go all private, I'll tell you what, and I'm gonna make a little. You have to be real in politics too. No matter how strong the opposition might be politically to this thing in Seattle, if you go all private, you put the political pressure then on the politicians to justify an opposition to an arena. You know, right now they have all the opposition they need because they say, "Hey, we're not just going to give them 200 million dollars in public bond money," and that's an easy thing for a politician to fall back on. You want it, what you want to do if you're Chris Hansen is take away as much of that as humanly possible. From it. If you take away, uh, you know, 190 million of that, it's going to be very hard for those same politicians to stand there on a soapbox and say we're doing this in the best interest of Seattle because we don't want to give up 10 million dollars of public funds. Or if you make it zero, let's say you pay the whole thing if you're handed, what are they going to do? Stand there and block this? They're, they're going to get steered by all the sports fans in the city. And really, even even the people that tend to side against those sports fans, who would be the people who are who don't like public subsidies for arena. They, they wouldn't be natural allies anymore because you've eliminated that and you've gone all private. So, and that's my opinion on the on the subject. My personal opinion. It's got nothing to do with the Seattle Times. I've never had a single person at the Seattle Times ever tell me what to write. And if they did, I would leave, and they know that. So it's never been an issue. But right. that's just realistic. Right. That's that's political life, right there. Right. Um, and from what I've seen in the, uh, I think from what we saw in the SEPA application for uh, Tukwila. It seems like the footprint for the arena itself is much smaller than in Soto. Could that smaller footprint cause a problem with either one of the leagues? That's a good question. Um, I think that footprint is smaller, um, but I think there there's potential room to expand around it. I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I haven't heard a thing about it being too small for the league, and I think that uh, they've been in discussion with both leagues already. As, as to this, and they, they've had discussions. The Tukwila groups had discussions with both the NHL and the NBA, multiple up until now. And so, you know, I think if there was an issue with the footprint, they would have found a way to resolve it by now. I mean, don't forget, originally they were going to build it, the, uh, the the arena where the parking lot's going now, but they couldn't do it because they couldn't get a deal done with the railways in time to remove the railroad tracks. So they, they decided to move the arena over to where the parking lot was going to go, and uh, the parking garage, sorry. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I haven't heard from anybody that the uh, the footprint's too small. I believe the footprint's actually bigger than the one in Montreal, which, if I'm not mistaken, has the uh, has, has the uh, still has the largest capacity in the National Hockey League. If you go to the Bell Center okay. in Montreal, as I have quite often, I mean, you know, it's like sandwiched right in between a bunch of downtown buildings, right in the heart of downtown. I mean, the footprint's just – there's nowhere to go after that. And so, um, yeah, I, I, don't hear, I don't think it's an issue where you've got a lot of vacant land around the current arena you've got other 
I think the lead, you know, that you've got a hotel that they've bought across the street uh, from where the arena is going to be, and I, I think the plan is going to be to build a hotel complex to the arena in some form. Um, yeah, I, but I've never heard uh, any talk of the footprint being too small. Okay. Well, Jeff, I, I've kept you quite a while, but is it okay if Otto asks you one more question? Yeah, you guys can ask me all you want. This hockey game's a joke, so I'm not going to watch it anymore. It's making me mad. So three nothing, uh, three nothing Tampa. That's a, you know I'm not I'm not one of those fans that you know diehard and, and suspends all natural belief. I mean, when it's over, it's over, and I can call it. I know it's another year oh, of uh, frustration for my hats. So to talk away, I'd rather so, be doing this. You got a question, Otto? Yeah. Hey, Jeff. Um, I know in the past uh, there's been talk about the Mariners. Um, of perhaps having opposition to the Sonics and um, and a future NHL team coming because of a possible uh, competition with with a regional sports network. But now with the Mariners having um, equity stake within Root, do they is there still an opposition? Um, are they worried that if an NHL or NBA team comes in here, that it, it might end up on Comcast, Sportsnet? Is that one of the reasons why the Mariners might be kind of uh, pushing against um, at least, you know, the Sonics uh, moving to Soto? Yeah, you know who was saying that stuff a few years ago? It was me. I was the one writing yeah. that stuff. And now it's funny. I see people saying I'm siding with the Mariners, which would be big news to Howard Lincoln and the Seattle Mariners. Um, it, because, it is kind of funny. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's kind of hilarious to anybody who knows what's going on in the city, especially my wife. She thinks it's a, it's a hoot. But, um no, I mean, all, all kidding aside, um, don't think the television concern is is bothering anybody one bit. Uh, I think the idea is that uh, there, there's only room for one sports network in Seattle, and it's going to be Root Sports. Uh, I, I've explained this to other people. Just the setup of Root Sports, it involves a satellite distribution system, which is so much better than the cable distribution system that you see with Comcast. And, and a lot of the problems you're having with uh, – with, with cable markets in sports right now, L.A. and Houston being two prime examples. They started because Comcast was in one in Houston, and then it was uh, Time Warner in L.A., and they were both they, – they were limited to just the general downtown areas when it came to, to selling their rights all over the, the greater metropolitan area. Like you, to make money in cable TV, a, a, a owning a sports network, you've got to be able to sell to the rival satellite distributors and the rival cable providers, and you can't do that when you have no leverage. And the reason DirecTV has such great leverage with the Mariners is they, they're satellites, so they're not limited to where their cables run, literally run underground. Whereas if you're with Comcast, you're in downtown Portland. You know, if you're doing the Blazers, that's it. You're in downtown Houston, one little part of it, that's it. With Time Warner, you're in downtown L.A., and that's it. And then you've got to sell to everybody else, or your games get no distribution. Whereas with, with the Mariners, and with DirecTV, DirecTV has a satellite system, so they go over a six-state territory. They already, they're in every single market already because they don't have to run cable wires. They just do it by satellite. And because they're in every market, they can basically strong-arm all their rivals in all these markets into buying the Mariners because they say, if you don't buy us, your customers are going to just flip off your set and they can come join us because why would they not watch the Mariners when their neighbor across the street is doing it? But with cable, you can't do that because you you don't have all that distribution, all these other territories. You're limited to downtown. So you're basically begging people to take your product, and the team's no good. Like the Houston Astros, they're not going to take it. And that's what happened. That's why they went bankrupt in Houston. So it's, long story short, Seattle's not that big a market, and they don't have that kind of natural advantage that DirecTV has anyway. So I don't see any way that Comcast comes in here and, and, and threatens uh DirecTV in any way. If anything, I, I see a, a possible arrangement down the road where, where DirecTV could actually try to buy out Comcast and try to get the Blazers and, and other teams onto their network. I could see that being a realistic scenario. And so, you know, once the Mariners got their network set up, I don't think they were worried at all on the TV front. I think that was a big reason they might have been worried initially about Henson getting in there, let's say, in 2012, really early 2013, before they'd actually announced Root Sports get all that done, get his own network started, and then they might be, have a problem. But I think right now, Hanson would end up basically buying space on Root Sports to show, uh, to show the NBA on that network. That, that's what I think. Uh, it's going to, so I don't think that's a big issue. I, I do think it's just a, a question of overall competition. You're the Mariners. You probably don't want an arena going up right next to yours for traffic issues, for all the stuff they stated. I mean, that's legitimate. 
But I, I think just from a purely competitive standpoint, you know, the longer they can delay it until their team gets good, the better. Better they'll be if they can sell more season tickets like they did this year and sell more corporate luxury suite packages if the team is good, like they're supposed to be. They're not right now, but you never know. Um, you know, they could have a real leg up before Hanson was able to get anybody into their market. And I think that that's probably got a little bit to do with it. Uh, you know, as for the rest of it, I can't I can't speak to what's going through their mind. I honestly do not have conversations with the Mariners at all. Anybody who knows, you know, the history there would know that, you know, the last thing we are is allies and any kind of com- common cause. Interested. I'm not going to write anything that's unfair about them naturally, but, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to trumpet their cause and help some grand, grand conspiracy behind the scenes. It's just, it, it's the most laughable thing anybody's ever suggested. So, I think the Mariners would be the first ones to laugh. All right. Thank, uh, thanks for the perspective, Jeff. No, it's been great. It's better than watching this hockey game, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not looking too good right now. <laughs> no, it's hard. You know, when you're skating backwards and the other team's, like, running all over you, it's uh, the odds of you scoring three goals to tie it up in the third period is about slim and nuts. It's about the same as me and Howard Lincoln going out for dinner tonight. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Jeff, you'll have, to, you'll have to join our uh, Jeff. You'll have to join our um, uh, game thread at, at SeattleSimbin.com uh, and, and commiserate with uh, uh, the other fans in the room. They'd probably enjoy that. But uh, I want to well, thank you I'm for coming have on to once again. for the next few rounds because my team's not going to be playing. That's for sure. So um, yes, maybe I will. <laughs> Okay. Well, Jeff, thanks for coming on, coming on again. You're always generous with your time, and we really appreciate it. All right, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, all right. That was Jeff Baker of uh, the Seattle Times. Uh, he is the sports business columnist uh, for the paper of record in town, um, and he had a lot to say. And when we come back from a short break, Otto and I are going to chew on this, and we're going to talk about some other stuff, too. So uh, we'll see you in a few minutes. The Ferris State Bulldogs beat the University of Michigan Wolverines. The Ferris State University Bulldogs defeat the Michigan State University Spartans 4-1. And the Bulldogs win 8-1 over the Ohio State Bulldogs. Ferris State hockey season tickets are on sale now. Reserve your spot for all 19 home games. Includes two games each versus Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. $175 for adults, $80 for students. Contact the ticket office at 591-2888 or log on to FerrisStateBulldogs.com. joining us on NPR's Hockey Talk here on radio station WEPC. In this edition, we're going to examine some of the fascinating first-round matchups in the 2015 NHL playoffs. Tiffany, would you like to begin? Thank you. The series between the New York Rangers and Pittsburgh Penguins pits the President's Trophy winners against the team that slumped the finish line and didn't clinch a berth in the playoffs until the very last day of the season. The Rangers are heavily favored against the Penguins, who will need outstanding production from their bottom six forwards to have a chance in this series. Well said, Tiffany. Elsewhere in the Eastern Conference, the Detroit Red Wings face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning, popularly shortened to Ning. Each team has several young up-and-coming players. Detroit has reached the NHL playoffs 24 consecutive seasons, which is two more seasons than the name have been in existence. That's shocking. I see what you did there. Tampa Bay's weakness could be their defensive play and how well they adapt to the rougher style that playoff hockey usually brings. Inconsistent goaltending has plagued the Red Wings of late and is an area of concern for Coach Mike Babcock. (coughs) An amusing moniker, indeed. Sorry. I was reminded of this morning's piece on All Things Considered about the history of knock-knock jokes. 
And it recalled this anecdote. Knock, knock. Who is there? Al. Al who? I'll be seeing you in Detroit Ning fans. Go Red Wings. Go Red Wings. Woo! (laughs) Join us after the break for a fair and balanced look at the Western Conference playoff field, including an all-Canadian matchup between the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames, with a winner receiving a trip to the Western Conference second round, full bragging rights, and free Tim Hortons donuts Mm. for the entire NHL offseason. A tasty and worthy prize to endeavor for. We'll be right back here on NPR. folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! See ya! Alright, let's show him what we got, guys. Get out there on the ice and let him know you're there. Alright, welcome back to the Seattle Sin Bin. And I want to thank uh, Seattle Times columnist Jeff Baker for hopping on with us for the first segment. And uh, in a few minutes, Otto and I are going to talk about what he said. But uh, I want to cover something else before we get to uh, the Baker segment, Otto. Um, this week, you and I were working uh, working pretty hard to uh, get our own presence within the Sonics Rising website. Um, up, up to this point, uh, for those of you that have been following the podcast, this has just been a podcast. And, you know, we, we haven't really done much hockey coverage other other than this podcast. And, you know, Otto and I were talking about it, and, you know, we've been wanting to build more coverage uh, uh, into hockey for uh, the people that follow us. And uh, I know there's a lot of hockey fans in Seattle. So um, what we decided to do, we had the domain um, all set up for seattlesinbin.com. That is seattlesinbin.com. And that address will take you to a page within sonicsrising.com, so we're still part of Sonics Rising. Uh, Kevin and, and the and the guys are still good enough to help to to allow us to uh, to still be located there uh, for the for the foreseeable future. Um, but we wanted to to add more hockey coverage to the site in such a way that didn't take uh, focus away from basketball uh, at SonicsRising.com. SonicsRising.com is a site dedicated to bringing the Seattle Sonics back to Seattle. And it's a site dedicated to following the NBA. So the focus of Sonics Rising is always going to be basketball. But since uh, uh, we don't have an NHL team yet and we don't have our own SB Nation site, um, you know, we wanted to add more coverage now. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen there in the future. But we wanted to add more coverage now. And so to do that without taking focus away from basketball, uh, Kevin allowed us allowed us to start our own page within SonicsRising.com, so you can find that at SeattleSinbin.com. And Otto, how do you think that's gone so far? Oh, it's gone really. It's gone really well. I really like the you know the interface and the format, kind of same style of SB Nation. You know your top stories, your top news, and you know the ability to like do all the different things in regards to the platform with and with like share, especially with sharing be able to share, you know, via via Facebook and via Pinterest and all those different social uh channels. It's gone really well. Yeah. And the reception you know, and we did our, Yeah, we, we did our very first uh game thread tonight for uh, and we as we mentioned earlier, we did we did a game thread for 
uh, the Canadians and Lightning game. And, um, you know, for, for our first game thread, we've got 52 comments. And, you know, what, what was there, three or four of us, maybe five that showed up? Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad for the first go around. No. And no, no. Uh, it's something I'd like to do more. Uh, but, you know, the other thing, you know, it's not just going to be game threads. We're going to cover uh, the whole gambit of hockey in Seattle. We're, you know, especially when next season rolls around, uh, you're going to find that we cover the WHL quite a bit. Uh, speaking of the U.S. division of the of the WHL. So uh, we'll probably have like weekly roundups of uh, what went on in the U.S. division. So uh, if you want to find out what went on with the Seattle Thunderbirds, the Everett Silvertips, the Spokane Chiefs, Tri-City Americans, and Portland Winterhawks, um, this is going to be the website to come to because we're going to cover that quite a bit. Um, and if, you know, we're going to do a lot more game threads during the regular season next year. Uh, we really want to get people geared up for um, the idea that we're going to get a team someday. And we want to, we want to start acting like we have one now, uh, but we're going to cover more gra grassroots hockey. Uh, so what's going on uh, developing the grassroots in Seattle for hockey. Um, Otto, what else do you think we're going to cover? I mean, there's so many things we can do. We haven't even thought of it yet. Oh, you know, it's really, it's really open to anything that will tie in with, with the region, with, with because the team is going to be it's going to be the region's team. I mean, it's likely we'll have fans in Spokane. You know, we'll, we'll probably have supporters. Um, you know, down down in Portland and Vancouver area. But anything that we you know when we talked about Craig Custom also talked about uh, of the local local hockey stuff, the grassroots. Any, you know, anything that's going to be tied in um, to kind of making the NHL in Seattle a success. Uh, will likely be something that we'll we'll keep track of and 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 uh, talk about. Right, and you know, and I I, I was just thinking um, as you were talking there, Otto, that you know we're gonna we're gonna cover the WHL, uh, and you know I kind of foresee, uh, you know, uh, hoping that WHL fans come to our website, and you know when we do our weekly roundups, I can foresee. Uh, fans from each team showing up to our to our to our page and trash talking each other. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun, oh, yeah. giving giving people a place to trash talk each other. You know, within hopefully within good taste and within reason. But uh, I think it, that's what I think that's what I want to see. I want to see the WHL fans show up and you know stand up for their team and stick up for their team and yeah. uh, badmouth the other teams. I think that'd be great. Well, um, and yeah, I, well, I can see doing roundups for Washington Huskies hus hockey and other things like that. And there's a, you know, the Wenatchee wild there's, you know, it's a lesser league than WHL, but it's uh, from what I understand, it's quality hockey. So yeah, just a lot of fun. Well, we're gonna this, have with this website. There's, you know, the WHL, man, there's a, definitely a lot of uh, passionate fans and uh, passionate rivalry uh, between the U S division teams. So uh, I don't think we're going to have any short of, of uh, fans willing to be passionate about their team, within reason, of course. Right, right. Don't don't um, don't make me come down with the band hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they they would have to be pretty. Uh, they'd have to do something pretty bad for me to ban them for that stuff. But yeah, cause, I mean, because I'm we're I'm sitting here encouraging I'm I'm sitting here encouraging them to trash talk. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just really looking forward to it. And you know, we're going to be uh, trying to bring other writers on staff because you and I can't do this whole thing together. Um, I'm going to try and place a major guilt trip on someone. I don't want to say what his name is, but his name <laughs> rhymes with John Barr. His name rhymes with John Barr. And I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to, to shame him into writing some articles for us. I mean, he's got his, he's got a great website at NHL to Seattle.com, but yeah. uh, I, I really want to shame him into writing some stuff for us because I think our readers <laughs> would enjoy it. And I, I, think maybe, I think we can get him to do it. I, I, I think maybe bribing, bribing him with a with a nice uh, craft beer might work. <laughs> a nice craft beer, uh, and um, you know, so so John's someone I hope writes some things for us, and I, I've got some other writers in mind. Um, and you know, it's not going to happen all at once. I mean, we're not going to go to ten articles a week right away. But, you know, we're going to have probably a couple articles a week in addition to the podcasts that we do. And, you know, I, I think in the future, Otto, um, 
we may look at adding a second episode of the podcast. Um, yeah, and definitely. you know, maybe with a different team, uh, leading it than you and I, uh, there, yeah. there's some people that could probably do a podcast on their own, or maybe you and I will do another one if our wives let us. <laughs> do you think your wife? You're going to you, you're gonna have to check with the better half on that one, Paul. <laughs> yeah. I, it, right now for me, it's a challenge doing one a week, uh, be, you know, because, oh, uh, because it, it does take time away from the family. But, you know, I, I can foresee uh, maybe at some point adding a second episode of the Sin Bin. Uh, and there, there's some people I have in mind to do that for us. But it's going to be fun. Um, I, it, when, I, when, I, when we first got that layout set up, Otto, what was that, Sunday night we were doing this? And uh, when I saw that we had, our, we had our own layout, we had a, when I saw that we could do our own layout that was just like the main layout for Sonics Rising, uh, that just liberated me with a bunch of different ideas. I mean, we can do a lot of hockey content without interfering with the basketball mission, and and that's important to me. We don't we don't want to interfere with the basketball mission at Sonics Rising. No. All right, so we're we're going to take another quick break, and uh, when we come back. Uh, Otto and I are going to talk about uh, everything Jeff Baker had to say, so stay tuned. about the wrongs he has done. That is the league version of sending a kid to a timeout. Done with tough hockey love. From Midtown to Marriott, Jonesboro to Alpharetta. Sometimes in between periods, they have little tight hockey. Little kids playing hockey in their little thrashers uniforms. They try so hard and their parents are so proud, so full of hockey love. I'm talking about hockey love. I wish I could go out there and play against them. I bet I could kick some ass. <laughs> The Vancouver Canucks Team Store is the only place to get all your authentic Vancouver Canucks merchandise. $22 keychains. $45 t-shirts made in Indonesia, but but screen screen printed printed in Canada. Canada. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store, where the players shop. Because making $5 million a year is the only way you can afford this crap. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the Sin Bin with your host, Paul Rogers, who is a college graduate. Princeton, we're all Eastern, which Ed. That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. Uh-huh. All right, I want to welcome everyone to the final segment of the Seattle Simbin tonight. And once again, I'm with my my co-host Otto Rogers, and um, we open the we we open the show tonight with uh, an interview with uh, Seattle Times columnist Jeff Baker, and he had quite a bit to say. Otto, what was your take from that? Um, you know, I mean, I think I think he had a 
he had some good thoughts about kind of clarify, uh, you know, some of some of the things that happened with in the last week. You know, there's some, you know, the uh, the discussion with the mayor, you know, needed some clarification on that. You know, and Burgess and and, and, and talked about the needed some clarification on that. I think his his, you know, I think his thought on that if Hanson was to Hanson's group to uh, you know, if they included um, Coleman or whatever, you know, what other um, angel investor, if they were able to make, you know, reduce public funding, that it would be politically, it would be easier to sell. Um, and I think that's a great point. You know, I don't think the, I don't think the pork is going to go away, and I don't think the marriage would go away. But you would have, I, I think he he is correct in the thought that you would have uh, the political opposition go away. Uh, but, you know the the amount that you reduce the the public funding, and so I think I think that was a great you know great point, and I agree with that that point. And then also I think the 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 biggest thing that he kind of started talking about um, was the the thought that you know Tequila they're just building an arena. They're not looking at getting a team. They're looking at building an arena. So you know they're in they're in that early stages of that process. Of building that arena, and in Soto, you know, it's not really the building of the arena; it's getting the team. So, what's going to be more difficult as we go forward? You know, is are we going to are we going to be able to get an NHL first uh, situation uh, compromise uh, financial package completed in Seattle before you know the the before Tupola, uh, they go further along in that process to the point where maybe the NHL will give them uh, a letter of intent. You know, that's that's the biggest thing for me is what's going to happen mm-hmm. first? Are we going to get the NHL first uh, modification to the MOU? And with the finance thing that, you know, Burgess said, you know, some public funding or no public funding. So, you know, it's, you know, he's, he's giving himself a little more flexibility, but he's still being open the option that with the NHL first, it's, it might have to be 100% private. So what's going to come mm-hmm. first, right? And so, you know, who knows? His yeah. point, too, and I think, and, you know, Paul, I think this point that really needs to be stressed is that I think everyone prefers this to be at at, at Soto. I, you know, when when uh, when the mayor said Bettman prefers Seattle, you know, I've said in the past, I prefer Seattle, even though it would be more advantageous for me if it was in Tequila. You know, you said you prefer Seattle. I think everyone would prefer it to Seattle. It's it's just it's going to be a difficult process, probably maybe, to yeah. get enough private dollars to satisfy on the NHL first MOU to satisfy um, you know to satisfy the city. And if it's 100% private, it might be. You know, if that is the ask from the Seattle City Council for NHL First, that might be something. And it might not even be a situation where it's, you know, where Coleman and Hanson have disagreed. It might just be that 100% uh, Coleman and Hanson might disagree uh, going in at 100%. And then, then the yeah. roadblock would be the Seattle City Council and not really, you know, Hanson or Coleman. So, I mean, there's so many different angles in yeah. Seattle. It, it's and how it's, that can it's impossible if it doesn't work out, Otto, it may be impossible to know who is at fault. Honestly, it it may be impossible, oh. or and it may be that no one was at fault. Um, it may be yeah. that uh, if if it doesn't work, it may be that everyone's interests just could not come together. And you yeah. know, I mean, you know, we look we look to assign blame. Uh, you do, I do, everyone does. But in the end, it may it may be possible that it just won't work in Seattle. And it, yeah. Maybe it'll be somebody's fault, but maybe it won't. And if it is somebody's fault, we're probably not going to know. What we're going to see is people right. blaming each other, but we're not. Yeah. We're never really going to know whose fault it is because we're not in the room. And right. you know, I mean, uh, I, I'm at the point, Otto, where I just want this built. And I, I yeah. think you know, sometimes there's some tension between uh, basketball basketball fans and hockey fans in this process. And, you know, I think everyone needs to just take a breath and realize that we're on the same team here. We, we both, both communities want the same thing. I mean, you and I are both part of the same, we're both part of the part of both communities, but both communities want the same thing. We want an arena built. And uh, I think, I think most people would say 
they would prefer to get it done in Soto. Um, you know, because you know it's a great location and and everything all and all the work that Hanson's done. But I'll tell you this, I just want this done. And if if yeah. Mr. Bartizek gets this done, uh, you know, from everything I hear about him, he's a he's a nice man. Uh, and you know, he, he's some, he is someone to be taken seriously and he is putting forth yeah. effort and this isn't the first time he has put forth effort. Yeah. He, he came within one city council vote in Glenville of bringing the coyotes to Seattle. He came yeah. within one city council vote in Glendale to uh, bring the coyotes to Seattle. So he's not right. just a flash in the pan. No, he, I think he's a and good Paul, man and I think he wants to get this done. Yeah. And Paul, just to build build on what you said about Ray Barnett, I mean, this man has been vetted by the NHL. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, I know there there might be some concern about his shady, uh, you know, past or his business dealings. The guy's been vetted by the NHL, likely twice because yeah. he's been up he's been up to purchase two different teams. Pop, well, I'm, I'm making an assumption with the second one, but he's already been vetted at least once because he was to buy yeah. with the Coyotes and. I don't think he'd be as, as far along in this process if he wasn't again vetted by the NHL that this was that this was something that they were going to be able to move forward with. So I'm not yeah. I'm not concerned about Bartizek's, uh, uh, you know his you know his. Path I think there's no basis did. for that. I think I think I there's mean, no basis for that at all. I I haven't even seen anyone accuse him of being shady. I've seen people express concerns that he might be shady. <laughs> you know, and yeah, with and no. With no basis in fact, with no reports to go on, uh, there, there's okay. nothing that we're aware of that tells us that he's a shady man. I think he's a good man, and I, you know, I, you look at his history. Yeah. The uh, dude's a merchant marine, so he's probably kind of he's probably tough, <laughs> but yeah. you know he, you know he's a good man, and he's trying to do good things for Seattle. And you know, I think every, every one of us just want what's we just want this to happen, and. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I appreciate everyone who's coming to the table trying to make this happen. Exactly, and here's here's the thing, you know, and, and you know, you know, sometimes as a community, there's things that like cut, that might split the community between an NHL fan and an NBA fan. The crazy thing is, I've been with like Fox Central since like 2003. Like I used to, I, yeah. I was at those marches and I was at the rally. I mean, I was all all that stuff. So you know. So people, you know, when it, if there's, if, you know, it's we're all part of the same team, you know, just because, you know, I, I, yeah. you know, I might hear to be pushing harder for the NHL, it's just because I'm disgusted with the NBA currently. I mean, you know, I want to talk facts, but the way the NBA has treated the fans in Seattle, you know, it, it, I, I don't have a favorable attitude to the NBA right now, and I have a more more of a favorable attitude to the NHL. But if you're going to tell, you know, yeah. if you tell me that we're going to get the Sonics back, I mean, I'm there day one, man. I mean, like, I love the freaking Sonics. Yeah. Sorry. You there's know, no, I mean, there's like, no way, there's no way I won't be at the first game. Yeah, there, there's like, just no way that's going to happen. I mean, legit, man, tears, cry when I find out the Sonics come back. I mean, that's how much I miss the Sonics, and that's how much I love that team. But the end, I mean, until that happens, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I, you know, I said yeah. too much. <laughs> you know, it, it is it is hard for me to get motivated to watch the NBA right now. I'll, I'll be honest with you. And you know, I I'm like you. I want the Sonics back, and the instant they're back, I'm going to be all over them. Uh, seeing yeah. green and gold being worn by people in Seattle again is going to be amazing. And it there's no way I'm not going to cry when it happens. There's no way I'm not going to rejoice when it happens. At the moment, we just don't know when that's going to happen. And um, right. I, I hope that I hope that the NBA finds a way to get here sooner than we think. And you know, yeah. who knows what's going on? In, who knows what's going on in Milwaukee right now? Exactly. Uh, that could go either way. But you know, no matter. Sometimes it looks really glum over there. But you, you all, the way these things tend to work is uh, cities when they're up against the gun find a way to get it done. And, and especially right. now that they know from our example that they can have their team yanked from them. Uh, team, you know, these things have a have a way of happening at the last minute. So we just don't know what's going to happen there. We don't know if the NBA will extend any deadlines for them if they don't get it done right away. We just don't know right. what's going to happen. And so, right. but, but I mean, regardless of this, we should all just, 
let's remember we're all on the same team. We, I think all NBA fans, or most NBA fans, would tell you, yeah, I hope we get the NHL. And I think most NHL fans would tell you, yeah, I hope we get the NBA. And part of yeah. it is because we need both teams for the arena to really pencil out. And part of it is just because it's good for Seattle. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're, we are a world-class city. We deserve to have, you know, the big, the, the four major sports. Well, I mean, five. I mean, I don't want to slice the salvage. But, you know, when they typically say the four majors, like the four majors, it's, those are the four major sports. So, we're, you know, we're, you know we're, we're, we're one of the most important cities in the United States. We're one of the biggest, we're, you know, we're a first world-class city. We deserve to have both the NBA and the NHL. I mean, especially geographically, you know, we're in a position where we should we should have an NHL team. I mean, when I see teams, and no offense to, you know, you know Florida, I mean, Florida and you seem like, you know, 5,000 people, I'm just like, you know, okay, I mean, come on, what's going on, you know? Let's fix this. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's get both leagues here. It's it's only exactly. it's natural. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. All right, uh, I need to get home to my wife and my kids, and I need to eat dinner, and I need to get ready because there's a two-hour season finale of Agents of Shield tonight, and I need to get uh, oh. psyched for that. And I need to, I need to get in the right mindset for that episode because I think it's going to be get awesome. Ready. <laughs> yeah, but Otto, uh, as always, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for helping me out and uh, being my sounding board and everything you do for me. And uh, thanks everyone. Thanks to Jeff Baker for joining us earlier in the show. He had a lot to say. Uh, and thanks to all of you for listening to us. Uh, Otto and I might do this on our own, uh, just on the phone if we if we didn't have this. But uh, it wouldn't be nearly as fun if we didn't have listeners. So thanks all of you for joining us once again. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us in the Sin Bin with Paul Rogers.